thank God for our illustrious pastor, and we thank God for all of our associate brethren. We thank God for this wonderful male chorus. Let's give them another hand today. Amen. I'm familiar with great male courses, and so I got to add new mission to the list. Amen. Boy, you, I feel like my brother, if I didn't have to preach, I'd be down there dancing with him. Amen. <laughs> Good to see Teresa, my old buddy here for years, and uh, she and I do a lot of funerals together and everything else. She was a little teenager when she met me and she did some great work for us at our church years ago and uh, the symbol program is still standing and she did the narration music and it's been all over the country and so uh, she's known. So. Teresa and all of your people here in the choir, let's give them a hand today. You have given me the task today, the assignment to talk about salt and light, your theme. And I thank God for your theme because in preparation I was revived and renewed again. And so uh, I'll be 84 in January. And, uh, my wife is 81. Somebody says, she's going to get you, but no, she ain't. She's 81, amen. But she looks like she's 31, so. All right, all right. <laughs> well, you sister Lynch, I don't know what they did with you. Oh, all right, all right, there she is. God bless you. I love this church, I have many members here, many memories, and uh, I'm just glad to be back this morning. Salt and light. You asked me to deal with salt and light. The scripture is on the screen. Salt appears throughout Okay. <laughs> all right, I'll read it. You are, the, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You may be seated. Salt appears throughout the Bible. The word salt appears throughout the Bible, and people 
most readily identified with the ability to season food that would otherwise be bland. Salt is also well a well-known agent in the preservation of food and a means of purification. So, the prophet Elijah used salt to heal the spring and remove impurities found in the water. You find that in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. Ezekiel's reference to the practice of rubbing a newborn baby with salt was to prevent infection. You'll find that in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 4. Salt in the ancient world was very expensive and people used it sparingly and with great care. Salt was valuable, taste enhancing, preserving, and purifying. The first reference to salt in the Bible, my brothers and sisters, as an ingredient occurs in the book of Exodus, chapter 30 and verse 35. This is the first mention of salt in the Bible. The perfumer who made it incense for the altar combined sweet spices and frankincense and seasoned the mixture with salt. I was born in Georgia back in 1939 and some of you in here now probably have never heard me and brother Willie Cunningham and sister Darcy Jamison, we've heard of the smokehouse. Some of you never heard of the smokehouse. Some of you never been in a smokehouse. But you're here if you got any kind of age on you because of the smokehouse. You know, as Christians, we pray in Jesus' name so that all of the virtue and all of the value of his atoning sacrifice will purify our prayers. We also pray with the assurance that the Lord never forgets what we pray. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon today, you should never remember that, that the Lord never forgets what we pray. The book of Revelation, chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, Psalm 38, verse 9, will verify that God never forgets what you pray. In addition to the incense 
Moses instructed the Israelites to season their grain offerings with salt, which he called the salt of the covenant with your God. You'll find that in the book of Leviticus, chapter 2 and verse 3. Similar language, Brother Pastor, occurs in the book of Numbers. The holy contributions which God's people presented to him belonged to the priests and their families as a perpetual stature. It was a covenant. It was called a covenant of salt forever before the Lord. You'll find that in the book of Numbers chapter 18 and verse 18. The covenant of salt. Talking about salt here this morning. A covenant of salt. A similar expression occurs in 2 Chronicles chapter 13 and verse 5. Where the dynasty that God promised to David was to last forever by a covenant of salt. Salt. Since the priests ate a portion of the grain offering, salt may have been used also to season the grain offering. Salt. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus urged his disciples to have salt in themselves. Here we go. Mark 9 and 50. Salt in yourself. And this exhortation occurs at the end of the various warnings about sin and temptation that end with the solemn reminder that a day of judgment lies in the future when everyone will be salted with fire. Christ's followers are therefore to possess the good qualities of salt and not let them dissipate. The fire of God's judgment will salt and purify the world. I heard the brothers in there talking this morning when the brother prayed for me this morning. He talked about the shootings and the killings and all of the things that are being hooked up in our communities and not only in our communities but communities all across this country. Every time you look on TV, breaking news! Somebody else has got shot. And the sad part about it, it is now 14 and 15s killing each other. When we were kids, 14 and 15 and younger, we did a lot of shooting, but it was with our mouth. Pew! Pew! And then somebody would holler, you missed me. And then we would say, you didn't get me, you winged me. The only time we saw guns was when the uncles and the, and the grandfathers and the daddies was walking down the streets of Lincoln Heights and Lachlan and wherever you came from and wherever you grew up with rabbits on their shoulder, coons and possums on their shoulder with the shotgun in their hand, but it was broken down. It wasn't loaded to shoot nobody. Bringing food for the children. But now everybody's got a gun. Yes, sir. Folk bringing gun to churches. Yes, Priest Lynch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The fire of God's judgments will salt and purify the world. Believers should therefore be a purifying influence in the world through their Christian testimony. And that's what I like about what you were singing, man. You were talking about, hey, you a deacon? Hey, but if you ain't been born again, if you ain't been salted, you ain't no deacon. Not in the biblical sense of deacon. You can sing in the choir and have a melodious voice, but if you ain't been born again, if you ain't been salted with the salt of God, you can forget all about it. You're just whistling Dixie. Believers, said the Bible, are after all the salt of the earth. Ye are the salt of the earth. That's who we are if we are Christians. And you ought to start getting salted when you're a youngster. So that when you get old, you're an old salt. I should have brought my hat out here. My wife always gets him on me about wearing my hat to church. And it ain't a Dobbs 40 or Stetson either. It's a Marine Corps veteran's hat. Preach, man. Got my cap. I got salted in the Corps. Got salted at home, Mount Moriah Baptist Church. Left there and went to the Corps, preaching. <laughs> and I got resalted. But in a different way. One, two, three, live, live. When I used to talk back to mama and daddy, I shut up when I got in there. If he don't say nothing to you, you don't say nothing to him. Keep your mouth shut and listen and pay attention. Believers, after all, are the salt of the earth. Ye are the salt of the earth, and that's who we are. And I'm so glad today to say that I am salted, and I, I'm just so glad I'm salted. And a significant part of our sanctification, my brothers and sisters, involves our speech. Listen, our words should be gracious and seasoned with salt. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 that every word you speak ought to be seasoned with salt. Can I get a witness? And gracious speech. So you got to stop cussing, boys. You got to put that and clean up that foul mouth. Ah. Savory speech winsomely presents the truth. Words seasoned with salt never compromise the truth. People who speak words with salt never lie. Because they preserve and reflect the purity of the gospel. But they need to be harsh, strident. They don't need to be that way or unkind. If you are unkind, you are not a salted person. I remember in the Marine Corps when I was getting ready to muster out. And uh, 
you had to go stand before the folk for inspection. And I had taken a Coca-Cola bottle because I watched another one of the guys who had preceded me to get out and he would take that Coca-Cola bottle and shine his boots and he would take this top of that bottle, put a little spit on it and they call it spit shine. Some of you don't even love spit. Can I get a witness here? But when I followed what he did and I had them shoes looking and when he looked at me, the man looked at me, he just kept looking, he kept looking. He said, Lynch? I said, call me Lynch. I said, Lynch? He said, you ready to go, aren't you? Yes, sir, sir, Reverend Lynch is ready. Damon Lynch is ready to go, sir. Yes, sir. He said, well, you look like it. You did a good job on them shoes. <laughs> wow, look at those creases in your pants, man. Good God Almighty. Look at you. And I ain't done nothing but just stand there. And said, yes, sir, because I wanted out. I had learned that they assaulted me. I just, when it came my time, I wanted to make sure that I was ready. And so he said, all right, you pass. Go get your last thing and get out of here. I said, thank you, sir. And when he told me I could get out of there and I was no longer a Marine, thank you, hallelujah, Jesus, glory to God. Salt is part of our daily lives, my brothers and sisters, and yet we may not think much about it. When we reflect God's word, however, we see the significant role it plays in both testaments as well as the challenge it presents to us to become savory yes. Christians. Yes. And that's why I appreciate the two oldest that you got in the church and some of you are approaching the same thing as one day you will be sitting in here and he will stand up and say she or he is the oldest in the church. And the only way you get old in the church is that you got a lot of salt going for you. And then you told me, just don't, just leave it at salt. And I said, well, you know, what are they up to over there at New Mission? Why do they want salt and light? I said, dad, gone. So I sat down, and my wife has taken our church and a whole lot of other people with us across this world, not just in the continental United States, but across this world. We went to synagogue once, African trip, went there three times, African trip. And we were in synagogue, and in synagogue there's a lake called the Pink Lake. Some of you have been there. And in that Pink Lake, it is salt at the bottom of the lake. And the salt at the bottom of the lake is there so that people all over Africa, from that lake where those men and women also go out and work, and at the bottom of that lake and on the banks, it appears pink in color. But the salt has done a thing there and made it something whereby they can sell it now and make a whole lot of money. 
God has used salt to preserve and enrich everything. Tangible, material, and immaterial. But really, it was the benefit for us. Why did he use salt? I went to the doctor the other day and he said, Reverend, I think you might be having a little bit too much salt. Cut down on your salt. And I said, now hold it to myself. I'm getting ready to go preach on salt. And tell these folk how good salt is for you. And that if you want to be a good Christian, you got to be salted. I've already told you what it takes to be salted. But then when the doctor said, Damon, you got to cut down on your salt. Oh, I got a dilemma now. What do I do? Do I keep doing what the Bible said? Or do I now follow the doctor because I want to live a couple more years? Can I get a witness here? And so I asked my wife, I always turn to her at night, I said, honey, I, I got a dilemma here, I need, I need your advice. She said, well, not even looking at me when I asked her that. She said, Damon, let me tell you something. She said, now, the salt that you're going to be preaching about, <laughs> it ain't that you go out and get a box of Morton and pour it on your food. And then eat it like a dummy, you could. <laughs> it's real salt, but everything in, you know, like when it's time to do it. And you take some, you leave some. You do it in moderation. Because if you are truly salted in the word of God, preach boy, then you ought to have sense enough to know that you ain't got no business filling your body full of salt. So I just wanted to make that clear because I was unclear. I just want y'all to know what you told me to preach about. I, I, I did it. But I wanted to let you know that my wife told me that there's one way to deal with this salt and then there's another way to deal with this salt. And she agreed with the doctor. So therefore, I want all of y'all to know if you're drinking a lot of stuff with a lot of salt, cut back. But if you're reading the word of God and if you're getting stronger and if God is blessing you and if God is taking care of you and you got God all in your life and in your heart, then you keep on dealing with the salt because the more salty you are, the better person you're going to be for God. And then again, as I segue from the salt to the light, it makes sense that what the Bible is saying here, that you got to be salted in order to have a little good light to shine. It does not matter, as I segue to light, 
what circumstances Jesus stepped into. Jesus would always glorify his father in the midst of it. He lived ready to honor him in everything. Christ knew he was the beloved son of his heavenly father and he was always walking in sync with the Holy Spirit. He had no sin. Jesus had no hypocrisy. He had no immorality. He had no bitterness in his life to hold him back. Every new sunrise was a fresh opportunity for Jesus to teach another truth, humbly serve another need. Can I get a witness here? Poverty to work another miracle. Graciously to reveal another amazing fact of his father's character to the dark and needy world. And this has shown up a dark and needy world. The son of God represented and glorified his father so perfectly that Jesus is described as the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. That's Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. It does not matter where Jesus was, who he was with, or how dark a situation had become. He stepped into it, shined the light of his truth and his love into it and served the needs at hand and then glorified his father in the midst of it. Can I get a witness here? I don't care what you do. When you wake up in the morning, your main aim ought to be that whatever I'm going to do today and whatever you allow me to do today, God, make sure that you get the glory. I want to shine so that you get the glory. Everything that you've ever done in your life, I don't know who got all of the credit. Mama got some, daddy got some, everybody got some. But don't ever forget it was God who brought you to where you are now. It's a blessing to be old. Come here, James Brown. Papa got a brand new bag. Bring that licking stick. Papa got a brand new bag. Thank God for everything mom and daddy did. But it was all because they were salted. Thank God for everything grandma and them did because they were salted. Things that you didn't understand when you were 16, 17, 29, 30. Now you understand it that you're 65 and 70. And you can look back and say, thank God. The devil thought he had me, but somebody told me something that I had to hold on. To God be the glory. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Served the needs at hand and then glorified his father in the midst of it. That's, uh, look at the consistent results of his daily interaction with people. In Mark chapter 2 verse 12, they were astounded. All of them were astounded and gave glory to God. In Luke chapter 7 verse 16, and they glorified God. Luke 13 and 17 said a whole crowd was rejoicing over all of the glorious things he was doing. 
And since God is so worthy of our worship, and we were created and saved to worship him with our lives, there's nothing more fulfilling and eternally valuable than for us to glorify God in our daily decisions. And whatever situation we're in, we ought to give God the glory. Jesus was a master at it, and he invites us to learn how to do it as well as he did it. Well, Reverend, can we do what Jesus did? You can damn sure try. In his first sermon, Jesus exhorted his disciples, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give God, your Father, the glory in heaven. That's your text. Matthew 5, 16. Notice that his admonitions were not to honor ourselves, but to honor God. That is why Jesus often operated by himself. He was an anomalous. He wanted his father to get the glory. It did not matter if he was being faithfully followed or falsely accused. He worshipped his father. Being beaten and accused and Christ always responded as the beloved and chosen son of his father. Faithfully bringing him glory in every unique context. I used to get so mad while I was pastoring. Now that I'm, they kicked me up and I said, Emeritus, I ain't got nothing to do now. <laughs> but now, Teresa, use her as an example again. We had some famous singers in our church over the years, national singers. And, and when the music starts, the intro, I call it. And everybody just sitting there, the choir ain't even stood up yet. The director will get up. I watched it a minute day. And he or she was standing there. And they'll play the introduction about 15 minutes. And everybody in the congregation knows whose song it is. And they know that she should be now by singing. By now. But then look around and Oh, me? Yeah, you. You've been singing this song for 10 years. Why you get up? She wants the glory. She wants folks to say, sing, yeah, come on, yeah. If God should have the glory from your singing, then you ought to get up as soon as the music starts and sing your song 
Let God use you for his glory, not for your glory. Ain't no stars in the church. We're all here as a body of Jesus Christ. And whatever we do, we edify each other as well as we edify and glorify God. So if you bring in light to some, you glorifying and making it lit so everybody can see who it is. Jesus not only glorified the Father by showing mercy and love, but also when confronted by evil, he cast out demons and he rebuked the religious hypocrites and he threw the greedy money changes out of the temple. And these were not welcome, peaceful occasions, but they were awkward to the watching world, but that was needed to be seen. Even if you're doing wrong, I'm going to let you know you're doing wrong because God should get the glory out of everything you do. And so let me tell you something without getting ready to pull it. As Jesus knew that sometimes representing the Father meant tough love, exposing hidden weakness and offending prideful rebels or befriending social outcasts that none of his friends liked. But this is how he lived every day. Then leading up to his betrayal, Jesus was still around and the crucifixion, Jesus prayed to the Father and he said, I have glorified you on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. John 17, 4. And we too, we too, we too, as beloved children of our Father in heaven, and I know all y'all love God, and as new creations who have been given grace, who have been given forgiveness, and who have been given salvation, as those who have been given a rich inheritance. we all been given a rich inheritance. And the power of the Holy Spirit. We've all been filled with the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we are called to humble and willing ourselves to Jesus Christ. And living and loving and being imitators of God our Father, which is in heaven. And so therefore, shining his light and shining his life, obeying his word, living his truth, honoring and reflecting his character in every situation, helping others to experience him and to know him and in their own personal way. Can I get a witness? We serve an amazing God. How many of y'all believe that we serve an amazing God? We serve a God who is a giver of everything good in life. He can see our lives from a big picture, eternal perspective, and he has called us out of empty and sinful and self-centered, dead living into his glorious new life so that we can shout his wondrous praise to the heavens. He called us to represent his grace and his love, not just on Sundays when we're in church, but when the world is watching us. But every day, in every way, and all of the time, that's the freedom you have in Jesus Christ. That's the freedom I have in Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, and as always, I'm going to know that I am free 
and the Lord has accepted me in his beloved, and I am glad to be called a child of God. This is his inheritance for him, and I got his inheritance. His blood is flowing in your veins and flowing in my veins. What makes me salty is he put salt in me, enough to keep me on the straight and narrow. What makes me see the light, because I was walking in darkness, didn't know where I was, didn't know where I was headed, on my way to hell. But one day I saw the light. And when I saw the light, I began to glorify God. Can I get a witness here? And before your salvation, you were not even remotely equipped for doing this. But now you are completely supplied with everything you need for letting your light shine. All day long, up close, and consistently because of how powerful he is in you, and you are now in him. When anyone focuses on glorifying God with their life, then everything they do, preach boy, is raised to a higher level and increases in value. First, God's glory is the expression of unveiling of one of the most amazing attributes. It is when he formidable nature goes public and on display. He shows up, and somebody used to say, and he shows out. And in some way he shines that he gets the glory because he got the victory. Whether it's in his tender mercy after we sin, his perfect justice setting things right, his gracious provisions meeting our needs, or his powerful protection saving the day that was hope, and now we got light. I'm glad today that the word glorify is when something or someone honors and praises and magnifies the glory that is being revealed. So when God showed up in Exodus and parted the Red Sea, his glory was shining brilliantly. Then when the children of Israel sang out and celebrated and worshiped God because of it, they were glorifying him. When God provided Abraham with a ram in the bush, his glory was a real and a perfect provider. Then when Abraham worshiped God by calling him Jehovah Jireh, he glorified God, revealed glory. Jesus' power was revealed when people witnessed his resurrection power, ordering Lazarus out of the grave. Jesus can bring dead things back to life. It was a glorious when everyone saw Lazarus resurrected and God was glorified. There's one resurrection and the life was fully on display. Likewise, our worship is one way we glorify him and we let our light shine. Paul said that we are the fragrance, the smell good, the smell good, the fragrance of Jesus Christ to those who are being saved as well as those who are perishing. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. When we glorify God anytime, we honor our Heavenly Father. Yeah. 
by reminding ourselves of one another who he is and what he has done. And I don't know about you over here at New Mission, but God has done something for us right here in Cincinnati. Can I get a witness? God sent you a young man after GQ and, and Smitty and all of them left. God sent you a young man full of fire, full of life, full of laughter, full of jokes, but most of all, full of Jesus, full of God. Can I get a witness here? I'm talking about your pastor. So therefore, you ought to be glad and glorify God because Jesus has blessed New Mission Baptist Church. And I'm glad to be able to come as an old man now and tell you God has brought you from a mighty long way. And you ought to stand on your feet and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for letting our light shine and glorifying our Father, which is in heaven. Nothing is holding you back now from seeking and glorifying God today with your thoughts. Nothing is holding you back now for seeking and glorifying God with your attitudes. Nothing is holding you back now for seeking and serving God with your words and your prayers and the decisions you are about to make. You have everything you need in God. Everything I need, he gave me. Everything I prayed for, he answered. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes wait, sometimes maybe. But I found out that if you wait on him, he'll show up after a while. Can I get a witness here? I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I got salt in my body. I got salt in my blood. I got salt in my mind. I'm so glad because I was salted at the Mount Moriah Baptist Church. I was salted even more salty at the New Jerusalem Baptist Church for 52 long years. Every Sunday I learned new stuff. Can I get a witness? And I got more salted. You can let me now. And I taste just like salt. Can I get a witness? You, whatever you do, I got salt in my body. And because I got salt in my body, I can glorify God. When I'm up, I glorify God. When I'm down, I let my light shine. Can I get a witness here? If you got salt, God will give you light. If you got salt, God will give you light. God will make you light up. Be like a lightning bulb. He carries his salt in his butt. Can I get a witness here? He's always got a light for you. Are you lost? He'll lighten your way. Are you confused? He'll straighten your mind. Whatever it is you need, stand on your feet and raise your right hand and say, God, I thank you for my right hand. And I thank you for my left hand. And I raise both my hands because you are the one that made everything 
thank you for the song. Thank you for the light. Thank you for being there for me when I didn't know where I was and who I was. But I'm glad that you provided a way for me. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. All in my home, all in my church, all on my job, I'm gonna let it shine. Walk in the light, somebody said. Walk in the light. Come where the dewdrop of mercy shines on. Praise in the house. Give God praise in the house. You're back in the hands of your illustrious pastor. 